Look what he says in verse 37 again. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. This is what God is going to do. Now, look there in verse 11. In verse 11 of Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37, verse 11. God says, as he looks out upon the nations of the world, his people are like, well, they're dead men's bones. They're dead. They're separated from God, separated from their land. They have no life. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. In verse 11, then he said unto me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we're cut off from our parts. So God says, um, I'm going to work a miracle. And isn't it wonderful that you and I are privileged to see part of this miracle? He notice in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, that means from other nations, cause you to come up out of your graves, out of those nations, and bring you into the land of what? America. No, it didn't say America. Israel. And then he says this in verse 13. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. God says, I want you to know I'm God. And I want the nations of the world to know I am God. And that's why he keeps saying over and over again that the heathen may know. See there in verse 28, I'm jumping a little bit, but I want you to see the verse. In verse 28 says, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them for how long? Forevermore. So during the kingdom, when he comes into this world upon this earth, this thousand year reign, God says, I'm going to have my tabernacle in the Book of Acts, he talks about in chapter 13. He says, I am going to build the tabernacle of Israel. He says he's going to do it. The Lord's coming back. Now, they're going to have one at the beginning here, but it's going to be destroyed again. A lot of wicked things are going to happen during this period of time, the seven-year period upon the earth. It's the worst period of time mankind has ever known. The first part of it will be called peace and safety, and then sudden destruction, because in the middle of it is when the head of this last world government will claim that he is God and go into the temple and claim to be God and deceive the whole world. Israel is going to make a peace treaty, but it'll be a false peace treaty. That's coming on down the road. How much time we have left, I don't know. I really don't care. It doesn't change one iota, one thing that I do. I'm still going to try to win as many people to Christ as I possibly can between now and the time that I'm checked out of here. I believe that's what God wants us to do. So he says, I'm going to take these two sticks, Israel and Judah, and I'm going to bring them together and I'm going to make one nation out of them. And this is what he's going to do. And so he says here in verse 19, Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the sticks of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel, his uh, fellow, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah. So Israel, Judah, Make them one stick because they were divided because of the sins of Solomon and his sons. The kingdom was split and divided. Ten 
kingdoms to the tribes to the north. That was Israel, their capital in Samaria. And then you had Judah and Benjamin. That was the tribe of Judah, and their capital was in Jerusalem. Well, the Assyrians came and took the northern ten tribes, and then years later, here comes Nebuchadnezzar and took the nation of Judah and Benjamin and took them into captivity, into Babylon. So God says, in the end time, he said, I'm going to bring them back, and they're going to be one nation. So I look forward to this great time. I uh, want to see it from up, up here. But look at how many things are happening that take place. So can we know the Bible is true? If the Bible is true in all of this, do you think the Bible could be true on this thing about hell? Something we don't like to talk about, you know, that place called hell, the suffering and eternal punishment, torment forever and ever. This is why we want to keep winning people to Christ. This is why we have the kids going out on Friday night soul winning. And whenever they want to, they can win people to the Lord. I drove in the other day getting ready for my class, and there's John John sitting out here talking to somebody uh, that the car broke down, and he, John John was out there doing that thing with the wallet, whatever that wallet is. But John John was talking to him. He said he led him to the Lord. Well, they'd have been saved anyway. No. No. You don't find that in the Bible. But this is so important. Now, notice what he says here. Look there now in verse 21. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Now, is um, the Bible probably true? Has anybody else ever said anything like this? Anybody else make it happen like this? That God saw what was going to happen and this happened? Look what else he says in verse 22. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. But you see, that hasn't happened yet. Why? Israel don't have a king. He says they shall in Hosea, he's talking about they shall abide many days without a seraphim and without a teraphim and without the, the tabernacle or the offering, the sacrifices, so on, without a king, without a prince. All that happened. But... When he comes back here, here comes the king. See, it ain't over yet. He's told them what's going to take place. In our lifetime, yeah, they've gone back to the land, but they're in unbelief. But he talks about here in the book of Ezekiel, he said, I'll put my spirit in them, and they shall believe on me, and blah, blah, blah. That ain't through yet. He can't have a peace treaty made with Israel if there is no Israel. They just happen to be back in the land. And then he comes back and it says that the nations are going to try to destroy the nation of Israel, the nations of the world, all going to turn against Israel. Russia is going to come down against them and mention some of their allies like Iraq and Iran. That's in the 38th chapter of Ezekiel. So that's going to take place. But Israel is not over yet. God promised these things are going to happen. So it's going to force them. You either be annihilated or where is your deliverer? Where is this deliverer of Israel? You know, back here, they were looking for this knight in shining armor, and he came like a lamb. Here comes the knight in shining armor, and he's going to do what he promised he's going to do. But now, this is so important. I want you to see this. Look in verse 24. And David, David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my statutes and observe my statutes and so forth. And then you look down in verse 25. The last part of verse 25 says, And their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince for how long? David's coming back. 
Now, in the book of Matthew, in chapter 8, it says they'll come from the east and the west, and they shall sit down, and it'll be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all these guys. Hey, they're going to be there. That's talking about doing here. So that's why they call it the Davidic Millennial Kingdom. Christ will be here, but I believe David will be here. Now, how they work it out, I don't care. But I do know that even Jesus could be, of the, he came from the root of Jesse, so he could be, you know, he was a, a before David, and he's after David. So he is, why David says, my Lord hath said unto my Lord. He came from him, and then he says, my Lord. Said to my Lord. Jesus is the Lord. He is God in the flesh. And he's going to come to this world. And he may be David here, or he may be Jesus here, and David is literally going to be here. And it wouldn't bother me either way. I really don't care how he solves the problem. I'm going to be here too. Now, notice what else he says. Look there in verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them. For how long? Forever and ever. Now, you get into the book of Ezekiel. That hasn't happened yet either. See, he'll tell you this is what he's going to do. Talks about this new birth that he's going to give them because they're going to believe on the Lord. Well, that happens right here. That's not here. That's here. Now, individually, a lot of people can believe on Christ. The first Christians were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. The apostles were Jews. So I talked to a Jew one day. I says, I'm a better Jew than you are. He says, what? I says, I believe your book. And I believe those Jews and what they said. I've studied their writings. I said, I've studied your religion and probably know it better than you know your own religion. Well, I was talking over there in Israel one time to a guy that was uh, our guide. His name was Ben. And uh, this is the first time I went over there. And Hank Lindstrom and I, we went, and Dr. Paulson and a number of others. And it was in 1985. And it was so wonderful talking to him about the things that he's showing, he's taking us around and showing us this happened here and this happened here and this happened here. Like, it's all true. It's in the Bible. And he's teaching it just like the Bible said it. So I talked to him one night. He said, I don't believe it. You don't believe it. But he's telling us because he's our guide. And then one time I went over there to Israel and they gave me shrock. And he, he was a Palestinian. A guide to the land of Israel, and he's a Palestinian. And he didn't say, this is what happened here, and like he believed it. He didn't believe it at all. And he took David and Goliath, and he minimized that. It was no miracle at all. Everything that happened, and Jesus walking on the water, he didn't believe it. And I said, sir, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And so we go to another place, and he starts saying, and I said, oh, sir, I says, that's, that's not what the Bible says. This is what happened. So after a while, he says, and this, uh, preacher, why don't you go ahead and tell him what happened here. <laughs> that's the truth. Raise my right hand. This is my right hand. So I had fun on my tour guide telling people what happened here. He said, how do you know? I read the book. And I believe the book. This is the book. And I believe it. Chapter 38 gives us some interesting things. Look there in verse 5 of chapter 38. Persia, that's Iraq and Iran, Ethiopia and Libya, 
These are people that are going to come together as nation and come against Israel. And verse 6, Gomer and all of his band, the house of Togomar, many believe it's Turkey, Syria area. And he says in verse uh, 8, after many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword. And he says you'll come against the mountains of Israel. And what's north is up in verse 2, the Son of Man set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, Meshach, and Tubal. Many believe it could be referring to uh, Moscow and Tubal. Whether it is or not, I don't care. It's north of Israel. And they're kind of come down against the nation of Israel. And who is going to win? God is going to intervene and protect his people. But he notice what he says there. Look in verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwell of safety, shall thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. This is a battle that has not yet ever taken place. Isn't it wonderful to know that the Bible is true? I believe it's true with all my heart. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. You realize how close we are? You look at the world situation and it's lining up just like God said it would. We're living at some of the most exciting days. I can't hardly wait to the next day to find out what's going to happen today. Studying the news, watching this and the decisions that are being made, blah, 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 blah. Watching all the people squirm, and hollering and ranting and raving. You say, you get a kick out of all, oh, I get a kick out of everything. Here in Matthew in chapter 24, Four, look what he says in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Look up here. This is verse 15. That verse is right here. They asked Jesus this question. Hey, what are the signs of you coming? And, um, you know, what, what's going to happen? And so he's answering their question. And he says, when ye shall see. They will, they will not see this, that those that he was talking to, but he's, he's looking down the road. Because, you see, none of this happened in his time here. That, none of it happened. It's in the future. It's here. This is that seven week of Daniel that has not yet been fulfilled. Sixty-nine weeks was up to the time when Christ was crucified. Now we have seven years that's still out there in the future. That belongs to part of the law. And so the Lord says, this is what's going to take place. And he says, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple in Jerusalem, and he will claim himself to be God. So it's a warning to the children of Israel, get out of Israel. And the reason, because they thought peace and safety. Everything's fine. Because they're going to make a peace treaty. Israel wants a peace treaty so bad, they're just about ready to do anything to get a peace treaty. But it's going to be a false peace treaty. It's not going to be good. But anyway, notice what he says now. Look there in verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Look up here. This period of time will be the worst period of time the world has ever known. I mean, you're talking about the stock markets and all that. Everything's going to crash. Everything's going to crash. There'll be no food. 
People are going to die. as talking about famine in the book of the Revelation in chapter 6 when he opened up these seals. All of the things that can go wrong will go wrong. The Bible has taken God's people out of here. And so we are in heaven and they didn't want us here. Did you know we are the salt of the earth? We're what's preserving God's judgment from taking place now. But when God takes us out, Katie, bar the door. It's coming. And he says it'll be the worst period of time the world's ever known. There's never been a time like it before. Won't be a time like it afterwards. So people that will be here during this period of time, the Bible says there'll be a one-world government. It'll devolve into a, a one-world religion. And they will go around cutting off people's heads. In the book of Revelation in chapter 20, it says, And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the cause of Christ. I wonder what religion does that. But anyway, we'll move right along. Down in verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. No flesh left alive. The world is going to be where it's possible that man can destroy mankind from the face of the earth. Did you know there's a few people that believe that that literally could happen? That there's some nut somewhere that could mash a little old button and start a nuclear war and a chain reaction and boom, hey, the world is gone. You know what? I don't, I'm not advocating things like that. But I'm just saying if the worst case scenario, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be in a new heavens and new earth. See, I, I, already, I got it made. But don't you want to see everybody trust the Lord? Live in peace and harmony and have a good life and not have to worry about things like that. But there's wicked people in this world. Notice what he says. No flesh be left alive. This is because judgment is coming. Now notice what he says here. Look at verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Look up here. Soon as this is over here, we're right here in the tribulation, then appears the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And he's coming back. And then he says in verse 29, Immediately after that tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars shall fall from heaven, powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And get this, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. See, all those things that's going to happen is going to happen in the last part. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then go, notice this. Notice what he says in verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They'll see him coming in power, great glory. So do you believe that the Bible is true? I believe it's true. Do I believe Jesus is coming back? Yes, I do. Do I believe that if he's the one that said all of this and it happens just like he laid it out. Well, what did he say about how to go to heaven? You stop and think about this. That's the most important thing you and I could ever do. Is to know for certain we have eternal life. And know that we're going to heaven whenever we die. Now, how do you know you have eternal life? Because you're so good. No. Because you're a member of Calvary Community Church. Because you give a lot of money. No. The only reason you'll go to heaven, the only reason I will go to heaven, is because we took him at his word. We believe that Jesus Christ died for us so that I don't have to pay for my sins. He paid for my sin. And all he wanted me to do, after he came back from the dead, all he wanted me to do is to believe he did it for me. 
You ever heard this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if you'll believe it, you will have what? Everlasting life. Shall not perish means you will not go to hell. If you believe it, you cannot go to hell. If you believe it, you get to go to heaven. Simple. So in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, he tells us this. Because you've got to believe it. That means faith. It means you've got to take it in his word. So he says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. I was 18 years old. And I trusted Christ as my Savior. And God said, if I trusted him, he would save me. That's how I know I'm going to heaven. Because he's going to keep his word. He promised me the free gift of everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, how long would it last? And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know you're going to heaven before you die? You can know it. And that's the best news in the world. But see, all this other stuff is to help us build our faith. We're to study these things, know these things, believe these things, because it tells us God's word is true. We're living far enough on this side to see what God has done. And we should believe the rest of it. So the next thing to happen, according to God's timetable, is for this to take place. It's called rapture. If the rapture took place today, that means that while we're sitting here right now, the Lord came in the air, there'd be the sounding of a trumpet, and we would be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And this old flesh, vile body would put on a new body, be changed, made incorruptible. And I would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And everyone who's trusted Christ as Savior, you will just disappear from this earth. And we will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. Disappear and appear. Just that quick. It's the best news in all the world. There's no tricks to it. So the next thing to happen is for the Lord to come back. The question is, if he came back today, would you be ready? It's not based upon, are you good enough? Or are you, how you living? It's, did you or did you not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? That's the most important thing you can ever do. Now watch. Watch my hand real close. At no time will it ever leave my wrist. This wallet represents sin. This is you and me. All of us have sin. Now, we commit the sin because we have a sinful nature. So you see, you say, well, I like to separate it. But see, God loves us, but he hates that sinful nature that we have that produces this sin. And because of sin, we have a payment to make. The wages of sin is death. So that means we're all condemned. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. So there's no amount of good deeds we can do to pay for sin. Because that's not the payment for sin. It's that you have to pay for it by death. So since everybody has sinned, everybody's guilty and everybody's condemned. And so one by one, people are dying. And one of these days, you're going to die. But God says you cannot save yourself. You cannot deliver yourself from this. Regardless of how much you want to, desire it, it's impossible. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world. Because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So why did he die? Well, 
we were going to have to die and pay for our sins, which would be eternity in hell. So by him paying for our sins, we don't have to go to hell. We can accept that payment he made. And if we accept this payment, then I've got a payment for my sins, and I don't have to pay for them. He paid for it. But if you reject the payment, you're condemned. You're still on your way to hell. You're still under the wrath of God. So when Christ paid for the sins of the world, he came back from the dead. And he says the payment's been made. This is why he told Israel, the day will come when Israel will finally wake up. And as a nation, he says, I'm going to make them clean. And I'm going to give them a new heart because he's going to give them a new birth. The new birth is because they're going to inquire of the Lord. You see, people want to be saved. They want to have eternal life. They want to go to heaven, but they don't know how to get there. And that's why he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you, we tell people what the word of God says and they hear it, they can understand that Christ died for me. And all I had to do was believe he did it for me. So by my faith and what he did, I have eternal life and I get to go to heaven whenever I die. There's no tricks to that. You don't have to give money to go to heaven. You don't have to go to church to go to heaven. You don't have to change your life to go to heaven because eternal life is a gift. It's free. So can you know you have eternal life? Know that you're going to heaven? Best news I ever heard. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you have maybe heard it, but you've never understood, maybe never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do that right now? Just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. God knows it anyway, but you have to admit it. You have to know it. You have to understand that the wages of sin is death, and you're going to die. You're not going to live here forever. But you have to make this decision before you die. That's why this moment is so important. So if you've never done it before, would you right now say, yes, I will accept Jesus Christ right now as my Savior. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And friend, if you'll make that decision, I'd like to know. I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle or do anything like that. I just want you right where you are in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense. And you're saying, preacher, would you pray for me? I want to trust Christ as my Savior right now. Would you make a decision? The best decision you'll ever make. So it heads bowed, eyes closed. Anyone at all? Slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you never have to do it again. But if you've never done so, I'd like to know. I'd like to have prayer for you. Anyone at all? If you're watching by Internet, right on the screen, says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Friend, would you trust him? I pray that you will. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for our church. Thank you for these that are soul winners. They share the gospel. We thank you for these young men and women that you've blessed us to know. In just a short period of time, they become very precious to us. We want the best for them. Bless their family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.